It seems we made it to this odd little spot for the night just in the nick of time as the rain starts pounding down sideways. It was another long day, and I went much further than I'd planned, mainly because I stayed with the two young men, knowing the next section would be one river crossing after another, and I really needed both moral and physical support. But now I'm ready to kick back and rest up for tomorrow's adventure. I've claimed a lower-level bunk and Hope Halfway Shelter, and I'm already curled into my quilt, eating in bed and writing in my diary. Tomash, or Tom, claimed a spot on the other side of this giant floor. From the outside, the place looked more like a shed, but it's oddly large inside. Alessio, or Alex, cooks his food at a counter fashioned from a piece of wood held up by a few angled bits of iron. He looks out at the rain spattering the window and says, Looks like we've got company. Ha! In this weather? I reply languidly. You gotta be joking. No joke. Here they come. Two? No, wait a minute. Four? Wait, wait, wait. Make that nine. At this I have to stand up, and sure enough, trampers, their rain gear glued to the skin and dripping in a puddle, cram through the door like the Marx Brothers in a kind of traffic pile-up. One gives a sort of Tarzan yell for the remaining, splashing through the puddles, heads down, eyes slits, nearly running to the door. Okay, okay, there's room for everyone. Come on in, I say, directing them to leave their pile of wetness near the door. So maybe this giant floor wasn't all for naught, as each strips down and finds a few square inches to set up their mattresses and bags pull out individual stoves, and begin pounding Nutella, cookies, and candy as an appetizer. Well, that's how it goes, I guess, in the hut culture of New Zealand. Just when you think you have the place to your mellowing selves, a loud crowd arrives and takes over. Well, they're pretty nice, but I'm sure glad I've got earplugs. You're listening to The P-Rag, Unfiltered Adventures of the Blissful Hiker. I'm Allison Young, the Blissful Hiker, sometime professional flutist, sometime voice artist, and full-time pedestrian. Like the small backpacking essential of the same name, The P-Rag shares the unglamorous but vital truth about empowerment as badass people who really don't need permission to blaze our own trails in this journey we call life. Thanks so much to Lecky Trekking Poles for supporting the P-Rag podcast. If you want to be a blissful hiker, Lecky should be in your hands. Also, Belega, makers of the best blister-resist, non-slouching, foot-massaging socks for the long haul. At this point on the Te Araroa, New Zealand's long pathway, I'm just leaving Nelson Lakes National Park and about to enter the region of Canterbury, It's an historic crossing of the Southern Alps at Harper Pass, so named for the first European, only 20 years old, who crossed over to the West Coast back in 1857. Of course, Maori used this pass for centuries as a route to collect punami or greenstone, but alternative routes have been created, and it was only recently that this track was reinvigorated with new huts. 
Warnings are posted everywhere that a tramper will need to cross big rivers that should be passable if said tramper possesses river crossing skills. But rain can cause the rivers to rise rapidly, making them dangerous and oftentimes deadly. I'd be happy to have friends to navigate this next section with, but who? Kachka and Kuba are stopping at Boyle Village and hitching to the ski town of Hanmer Springs. But maybe Tom and Alex might go on, and maybe they'll let me come with them. Well, I gotta just see how the day unfolds, and that starts by getting up. After rain all night long, boy, that can't be good. It really wasn't that easy to get comfortable overnight. My legs were tight for many hours as I tossed and turned. Fortunately, Alex shuffled as well, but he says he slept deeply. My dreams, though, were filled with sorrow, all about saying very painful goodbyes. Before I closed my eyes, the Czechs and Alessio spoke about all the people hiking fast and that they're impressed with them. It just turned me right off because, well, it feels kind of shallow. And maybe also because I can't possibly compete, even if I'm doing some very long days. The Czechs barely said hello to me when I walked in last night but I sense tension there, and I don't think it has anything to do with me exactly. Kuba says he wants to go faster, and he's complained that Kachka takes too many breaks. The sky lightens to a pink glow, so perhaps the rain is over for today. And I got to admit, I'm grateful that some of the Czech attitude rubbed off on me to get going when the going's good. You gotta have decent weather, It needs to be still early in the day, and you, of course, have got to have energy. But moving on can have the benefit of putting myself in position for the next bit, and that might be critical with big river crossings. I leave first, as is usual, in full rain gear. The sky is pink, but it's still showering, and I cross the bouncy swing bridge only wide enough for one. The trail sidles the river deep into a canyon, And there's a reason for all this vivid green moss. It's moisture. But the sun still comes in and out of cloud, and a rainbow appears. I feel good now, wending my way deep into this forested section, which eventually opens up to a wide valley of flaxen grasses, a stream snaking towards me. I cross the river on two more bridges, crunchy, clangy under my feet, then through more fairy forests. And just like that, I'm at the metropolis of Boyle Village, essentially a parking lot and a tiny campground. The Boyle River Outdoor Adventure Center caters to TA hikers by holding resupply boxes, selling resupply goods, and offering accommodation. But part of the reason I pushed yesterday was to avoid staying in a dorm here for $40 a night and eating overpriced frozen food. It's still early in the day, and I catch up to Alex and Tom, eating one of those overpriced frozen pizzas and drinking Cokes, while unpacking and repacking their resupply. The very businesslike and humorless Ange gives me my resupply box and informs me it'll cost me $2 for trash. What? I just paid you $10 to hold my box, and now you want $2 more? I mean, it's not like I'm cheap. It's just, why didn't you tell us this from the start? That's when I wonder if maybe moving on with the two men is the best option after all. Sealing the deal is the weather. 
rain, and a lot of it is expected. As a tourist tells me in the car park, you can't change it, so you might as well be ready for it. Even less than pleasant Ange advises us to just get moving before the rain comes and the rivers fill. So, just like before Nelson Lakes, I decide to go while the going's good, figuring I have just enough food in my resupply to make it to Arthur's Pass, assuming we're not stopped for too long by the rain. The men promise that they'll stick with me, so I send a note to Richard through iffy cell service, and we're off. It's so odd now to be back on road again after two wild alpine crossings in wind and squalls on the Traverse Saddle and Wyo Pass. We take a path through the tall grass down to the Boyle River. It's our first crossing in Canterbury, and it's absolutely boiling rapids and deep. We walk clumsily along the rocks trying to find a safe spot, but it's impossible. The option would be two hours on road to the bridge and we wisely take it. But Alex hates the road, and he chatters on and on about finding another spot to cross. We shouldn't have bought Cokes. We need a canoe, he says, while Tom calmly walks on, finding plum trees along the way, succulent and full of health. Eventually, we do come to a bridge across a narrow gorge. It's fenced, though, with a sign that says, No Access, But we access it anyway, meeting the trail in a matter of minutes and saving us at least an hour or more on the road. But here, at Hope Kiwi Track, we split up because I just can't keep their pace. The path winds through another enchanted, sun-dappled hobbit forest of tall beech, this variety with a black trunk oozing with a kind of nectar that attracts the wasps. The wind is in the treetops, creaking and groaning. I hope a limb doesn't decide to break off as I walk by. And then I step into stream after stream. After 20 stream crossings, I lose count. I reach the Hope River and see the tiny shelter ahead. It's not flash enough to be called a hut. If we had it in us to go further, there's promise of a large modern hut. But staying in this rustic spot ensures that we have it all to ourselves. It's clean with new plastic mattresses and only a few sandflies to murder. I apologize to them that I'm slow, but they tell me they've only been here 10 minutes. And besides that, they're tired and have no intention of going on. Each of us unpacks our huge resupply. It was a big mistake to buy so many heavy nuts. We clean up our bodies, purify water from a tiny stream running across the path, and make dinner before the rain just buckets down. Well, I guess it was worth stopping here, and in the nick of time. But with all this rain, will we make it to Arthur's Pass and be able to cross the rivers and streams? No one knows, but at least we're dry and safe in the shelter, and the biggest river is two days away. There's nothing to do now but luxuriate and rest. But no rest is possible. Nine, is it ten people? Loud and obnoxious arrive. They don't possess inside voices or manners, it would seem. One tomboy with shaved head except for one long, thin braid, an elaborate sleeve of tattoos and pierced lip, gives a Tarzan yell out the door as her friends arrive. A prissy man struggles in front of all of us to get his chubby self into tight long johns. 
another young man looking like he'd rather model outdoor gear than be in the outdoors, complains that his feet hurt and asks how he might get himself out of doing the hard section coming up. All this I observe from my bunk since they gather in a circle on the floor, propane stoves fired up. Is that even safe indoors? It seems that most of them are from the Netherlands, and the American woman Naomi speaks Dutch, so she naturally has become their de facto leader. She's kind of built like Mary McCarthy and speaks like a bossy Sunday school teacher. And what were your names again? she asks. She's not an unkind person, and I don't take their boisterousness personally. It's just not my vibe right now. So I convince the men that we need to make another long day tomorrow and shoot for a hut that's just one hut ahead of the stopping point of this massive group. You're listening to The P-Rag, unfiltered adventures of the blissful hiker. Through sharing my stories of walking long-distance trails as a solo, middle-aged female hiker, I hope I can empower you to learn to hike your own hike, too. You can subscribe to The P-Rag wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave a review on Apple, because that helps others find the podcast. The morning begins cloudy, chilly, but with no rain. I am up first, packed and ready to leave this overstuffed hut. And we do plan another long day to make some space from these characters that arrived and took over late yesterday evening in the pouring rain. I know, I know, it's all part of the fabric of a thru-hike. But gee whiz, they were really loud. The next town is Arthur's Pass, or as Alex says it, Harter's Poss. We have a lot of walking ahead, plus scary river crossings. And my fingers are crossed the rain stops for a few days and lets us through. It's pretty easy, though. Grassy river terraces where skittish cows graze, dashing away when I get close and hiding behind Manuka scrub, their white faces peeking out. Moos echo across the valley. I work my way up on a bank thick with thorn trees to cross a wildly rushing stream on a swing bridge before arriving at that modern hut, spacious with separate sleeping quarters. The pen is out of ink, so I press hard and leave an impression in the intentions book, writing under the conditions section that it's sunny. Well, there is one small patch of blue, so here's hoping. The walk is mostly cruisy on grass and through forest, until I have to bank down steeply to cross a stream. I'm wet all day, but my trail shoes dry quickly before the next stretch of bog, mud, or full-on stream. Hiking alone, I realize I've spent so much of this hike trying to understand group dynamics, where I fit in and why I haven't landed on a hiking buddy. I've longed for companionship, and I did find it when I badly needed it for safety, crossing Wyo Pass. But after last night, I'm not sure that I need to be part of a big group. For one thing, big groups tend to move and make decisions too slowly. They can't be nimble. It's not in their nature. But more important, I'm simply too independent and I value my time alone. Maybe it's a good thing I'm mostly on my own. The trail stays in forest a long time, Sumner Lake barely seen through the thickness. It's not until I come down to it that I can look back at its massiveness under massive mountains. 
The forest goes on and on, a yeasty smell in the air from the beech trees oozing nectar. I come back onto the river terrace in bright sunshine. A large black and white striped dragonfly lands in front of me on a blade of grass. Another swing bridge takes me to another hut overlooking the milky Aqua River roiling in the sun. I have a snack and study my surroundings. On the counter is a big bag of cookies, a dozen eggs, and a bottle of wine. Who carried this here? Surely not TA hikers. The Intentions book has signatures from Gypsy Woman, Wind Chime, and Foxy Lady, with no hut pass number filled in. Am I being too school to let this annoy me? The point of the Intentions book is to show our intentions so people can track our whereabouts in the last place that we've known to have been. It does that by tracking our hut pass numbers. Writing in a trail name smacks of self-absorption and conceit, and no number means these gals did what a lot of TA hikers are doing, and they didn't pay the $92 for a hut pass. I just think that's totally uncool. I mean, in the end, it breaks down to about $3 a night to stay in a hut out of the elements and in a safe space. Well, I know my hut pass number, AK5769, and I write it in next to my name and my intention of staying at the next hut. It's not far, mostly a hobbit forest high above the river valley, where I spot two bright purple pouch fungus in their favorite habitat of mountain beach detritus. I come upon a hot pool with a sign warning not to submerge my head due to amoeba meningitis. But I guess placing the rest of my body in is okay. I strip down and about a thousand sandflies are on me at once. But it feels spectacular, just the right temperature and filled with bubbly circulation, the hotness pouring in from a waterfall. I feel slippery to the touch and a bit lightheaded when I battle the flies to put my clothes back on and continue sidling the wooded banks of the river. Thousands of waterfalls come down the moss-covered cliffside and meet larger creeks I cross one after another. Hurunui number three hut is tiny and it's nearly full. The bunks three stories high, but one left over for me. Young adult novelist Kekla Magoon writes, The river moves, but it follows a path. When it tires of one journey, it rubs through some rock to forge a new way. Hard work, but that's its nature. As Alex and Tom and I gather at the common table for dinner... Alex tells me he'd place my age between 50 and 60. Ouch! You should always lie to a woman of a certain age, I tell him. But then he adds, but you hike like a (laughs) 25-year-old. Like all those waterfalls and streams and rivers crossed these past two days and the abundance of rain feeding them, I too am on a journey, forging my way, hard work in my nature. I can't keep their pace. I am a woman between 50 and 60. But I'm holding up well, and I'm so glad I convinced them to shoot for this hut, to move beyond the loud crowd, and perhaps set ourselves up to make those river crossings before the rain fills them too high to pass. The crowd here has a good energy, talking in low voices and planning their day tomorrow. And before it's dark at about 8 o'clock, 
we all just knock right out. You can subscribe, rate, and review the PRAG at Apple Podcasts, and you can find out more about my long walk on the Te Araroa, as well as the PCT and other trails around the world. It's at theprag.com. The music is me, and it's available on iTunes. Next week, we do make it to Arthur's Pass, crossing some wild, deep, rushing, and adrenaline-pumping rivers. Until then, my friends, kia kaha and happy trails. <laughs>